So tonight, I, I just want to take a chance. We're going we're gonna to look at a few names here that are listed. A little Bible study, a little bit of preaching. But if you'll bear with me, I, I think God has something in here for all of us. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in your house tonight. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you would continue to meet with us. And I thank you, Lord, that you've already been here with us as we've lifted your name up in song. And Lord, I just pray that, that you would give me the words to say tonight, that you would help us today, that our walk with you might be closer today than it was yesterday. And we'll thank you so much for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. When we look at a life, if you get the chance to ever walk through a graveyard, if you ever get to walk through a cemetery, you'll see on the headstones an epitaph. There's many different things that you'll see, some very little information, some maybe would say too much information, some are hilarious and some are, wow, that's sad that that statement is the thing that covers your whole life. So a few of them that I've laughed at over the years is, one of them is Mel Blanc, the, the man who gave the voice to Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny and his says, that's all folks. Yeah. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, his says, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> this is probably my favorite one, Merv Griffin. I will not be right back after this message. <laughs> Marguerite Dewey Daniels, her says, she always said her feet were killing her, but no one believed her. <laughs> I, I want you to think about it tonight. What, what would your epitaph say? Yeah. You don't get the choice to write down what it is. You don't get the opportunity to, or most people wouldn't have the opportunity to ahead of time, this is what I want on my headstone. Those after you are the ones that decide what that says. So tonight I just want to talk to you about found faithful or faithless. Yeah. As we look in this, and the, the first name that we're going to look at uh, is in verse 7 and 8. It says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Tychicus. This is the, all, the inform, all the information we get from Tychicus is just a few statements. So I look at him, I'm like, there's only a few mentions of him. I think, think five mentions of that name in the scriptures. So what do we have to know about him? What details do we get? What peer into his life do we have? Very, very little. The first mention of we see is late in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 4. It says, And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopatar of Berea and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychicus and Trophimus. We, we don't know where he joined the team. We don't know where he came on to Paul's missionary group. We just have these few statements that surround his life and what Paul had told us. So we look at his, Paul's third missionary journey is when he joined. I don't know when he got saved. I don't know when maybe we could say God called him into ministry. I don't know when he even met Paul, but we know that he's there. Now, when we look at epitaphs, we looked at things that describe our lives. Well, there's only these couple of things that describe his life. And Colossians and Ephesians bear these two descriptions of him. So he is described as a faithful minister and a fellow servant. 
There's one other, if you look at the beloved brother. Now, we look at all of us tonight, and we could say that, I would think that we would be able to say that many of us here tonight are saved. We're Christians. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Only that's not what Paul said. Paul said, beloved brother. Now, now if I could put a little conjecture in here, I would say that I, I think that he probably got saved under Paul. Under Paul's ministry, I think that he probably got saved, and through whatever turn of events it was, his heart was knit to Paul's. I think of Jonathan and David and how their hearts were knit together, and, and that's a little bit of my conjecture on that. I think that they just had this really close relationship. They served together. He was not just a brother in Christ. He was a beloved brother. Paul had a special spot for him in his heart. And so we look at his, this deep care that Paul had for Tychicus. Well, there's another mention of him. In 2 Timothy 4.12, it says, and Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. Now, when we look at 2 Timothy, this is the, the farewell book from Paul. This, this is the last writing that we have from Paul. And he's going through, there's many things that he's saying. I, I wonder sometimes if Paul didn't know that this was going to be his, his last opportunity that he would have to address certain people. But if we look at what's going on in Paul's life, Paul's in his second imprisonment. Things are not going well. Paul is going through a difficult time. Paul probably has in the back of his mind, this could, could be the end. There's a possibility that I don't get out of this. There's a possibility that this isn't going to go my way. And he says, Tychicus, God has more for you than here. I want you to go back to Ephesus. I I want you to get out of here. God has something else that he wants for you, and I can't have you here. It's too dangerous. I I think about a husband trying to protect a wife and protect a family. I think about friends who are so close that they would do anything for that friend. And that's what's going on here. Paul says, I can't have you here. I know what is the possibility of what's coming down the pipes. I can't have you here. There's more for your life. There's more for this fellow minister and fellow servant that God has for you to do. I need you to go. And I just wonder how difficult that was for Paul. I wonder how how hard that was for both of them. Even if Paul had any inkling of this could not go well, he probably also had the same thought of this could be the last time, this side of glory that I ever see Tychicus. This could be the last time that I get to spend time with my friend. And he says, but I, I need you to go. I need you to go back to Ephesus. But we can't just look at him and say that he was this faithful minister and this fellow servant and this beloved brother. We, we know if you were on Paul's ministry team, you had to be a fellow servant. You, you would have to have been a faithful minister because Paul was here to do work. Paul was here to see people get saved. Paul was here to see people get revival, to see people get right with God, to see people have a solid walk. I don't question those terms at all, but I want you to see something else in this section. If you actually look in, in uh, verse number eight, I'm sorry, it's actually verse number seven. It says, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. Now, when we look at this guy, we might not connect a whole lot of dots. Tychicus was the guy that carried the letter 
of Colossians to the Colossians. He's the one that, that, that Paul said, I need you to take this to the people of Colossae. I doubt that he had any idea in that moment that the letter that he was carrying, put it in his satchel and he's going to where he's going. I wonder if he knew that the letter that he was carrying would outlive him, would outlive the Roman Empire, would be here 2,000 years later for us to reap the benefits of. I wonder if Tychicus had any idea of that. But regardless, he was faithful. Paul said, "I, I need you to go. I need you to do this. And even though it's just a one request from one man to another, he was still found faithful. He still did what he was asked, or what was asked of him to do. Can God trust you with those things? Now, I can't help but think about this and the songs that were sung again just continued to tie it into this. Who will go? Here am I, send me. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've kind of observed this probably over the last five or six years. I've seen so many older preachers give up pulpits to go to the foreign field because God said, I need you to go. And he knew that he could trust them to go. Now, that's not just about the fact that he trusts them, but I want you to think about this. I wonder if he trusted them to go because he asked a young person to go, and they said no. They said, I I have other things that I need to do, and God said, fine. If that's what you want to do, fine. If that's the way that you want to go, fine. But I need somebody to go, and I'm going to ask this guy to go, because he'll go. Can God trust you with things? Can, can God trust me with things? I look at going to Hillsboro. There are lost souls there. It, it is nowhere near the size city that this is. But there are lost souls there. And he says, Justin, can I trust you with 1,649 lost souls that need to hear my word? Man, I hope so. Yes, sir. Man, I hope. Justin, you are found faithful. I, I, I hope that that's what happens but can he trust us with things? Can he trust us with different responsibilities that he has for us to go do things? Or is the world more enticing to us? The next person that we see in our list is Onesimus. Verse number nine, it says, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. I love the story of Onesimus. If you don't know any of the background of it, Onesimus is the reason the book of Philemon was written. Philemon is a letter from Paul to Philemon, who just so happens to be Onesimus's master, because Onesimus had run away. If we just look at a couple of verses from Philemon, verses 10 through 14 say, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. Onesimus had run away from his master, He had found the opportunity to leave and he said, I'm done. 
I can't handle this anymore. I'm gone. Somewhere on his journey, he met Paul, and he got gloriously saved. But he's still a runaway slave. He still has another master, and he's just trying to not go back. I'm not going to fill in too many of the dots because I don't know him, but it was obvious that he didn't really want to go back. He he didn't really want to because if you don't know, in this day and age, when a servant would run away, when a slave would leave, if they ever came back, the master would make it a point to as cruelly as possible murder that slave to set an example. You don't cross me. You're not going to do this. Nobody else dare run away or this is what awaits you. And I can't help but think about that. When I think about Onesimus carrying his letter back to his master, I wonder if he knew what was in there. I wonder if he knew what Paul was going to say. Because Onesimus, his faithfulness is totally different than the faithfulness of Tychicus. Onesimus' faithfulness was regardless of outcome. Now, when I brought up going because God has asked, and is he trusting, are you willing to go regardless of outcome? People, I I have heard, I've not been saved as long as many people have been saved, but I have heard people say, I'm afraid to surrender to missions because I might go to Africa. So what? People in Africa need saved too. There are, we... The last many years here in America should be a testament to it could be just as dangerous here in America as it could be somewhere overseas. Are you willing to do what God has asked you to do regardless of what the outcome is? Now, as I looked at making preparations for going to Hillsboro, I had many pastors tell me, when you go to a small town in the upper Midwest, there's a very strong chance it is going to take you 10 to 15 years to get an established church. They're very difficult. They're very Lutheran. They're very fill in the blank. It it could take that long. And again, I'm sorry, God preached this at me already, so you're just getting the overflow of this. Am I willing to go regardless of outcome? Regardless of whether I go up there and, and I have 15 people and I lose some people And I never gain any more people, regardless of outcome. Are we willing to be faithful to that extent? Because Onesimus was. Onesimus was willing to go back to his master, even though it meant that he might be murdered. He had hope because Philemon had been saved. He he had this hope in, in what could take place, but he still went. Another note that we could look at with this is sin always has consequences. Always, I've known several Christians, people that had, made, have, had, had a rough patch and got saved. And they're like, it's under the blood, it's wonderful, I don't have to apologize for anything because it's under the blood. Man, I would say, you more so now need to get those things right. I, I'm sorry if you made the decision to break into a store and steal something, you need to go get that right because you're a reflection of Christ. I'm sorry if you made some poor decisions that got you into some legal trouble. You need to go get that right, regardless of consequence. We are a reflection of Christ. Onesimus understood that. He had to go back to his master 
because he wanted to have that genuine faithfulness. God wants to see that out of each and every one of us. The next person that we see on our list in verse number 10 is Aristarchus. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Now again, Aristarchus is one that we don't have hardly any information on. Five mentions of him in scriptures. Verse number four of Acts 20, again, is where we first see him mentioned. And there accompanied him in Asia, Sopatar of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus. Now as we look at this, Paul, Paul doesn't give us hardly any details about Aristarchus, aside from he is a fellow prisoner and fellow laborer. Now I think I already made the point if you're going to be on Paul's ministry team, you're going to have to be a fellow laborer. You are going to have to be a fellow la- uh, la- a worker. So let, let me make this. Are you part of Eastside Baptist Church? Mm-hmm. Your pastor wants to labor. Are you willing to be a fellow laborer? Yeah. Now, I'm not making jabs at anybody. Right. We should all want that. I'm a member of Bible Baptist Church in Crookston. I want to be a fellow laborer with them. It's what we should want. It's what we should desire. But it's the next one that really kind of gets me. He is a fellow prisoner. Aristarchus was with Paul when the, the silversmiths rioted. He was with Paul when he went through Ephesus and he went to Greece. Aristarchus was with him through all these things. He was even with him when he got onto a boat to go to Rome. Acts 27.2 says, And entering into a ship of Adamantium, we launched, meaning to sail, by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonia of Thessalonica, being with us. He went through everything that Paul went through on that trip. He suffered the things that Paul suffered on that trip. He is a fellow laborer, a fellow prisoner. Now, I don't know what he did. I don't know what they got him for. Tradition says that Nero had him martyred for it, though. Whatever it was, but he was faithful to the end. Now, now we, we live in America. I don't have to worry about things like that. I don't have to worry about losing my life because of something like that. Are you sure? Because it's, it's coming. We, we have been blessed to live in the time that we live in where persecution has really been very little. Many Christians have had maybe a door slammed in their face. Oh, I'm sorry. Go to the next door. They didn't attack you. They didn't hurt you. They didn't do anything else. You just had a door slammed in your face. There are people living overseas, missionaries that have gone to other countries that are suffering death and dying and sickness and all kinds of other things. Where's our faithfulness level really at? Are we willing to be a fellow prisoner? a fellow laborer? Are we willing to go to wherever God wants us to go regardless of what the outcome is, ready to offer our life for him? Whatever it is. I mean, again, I'm sorry, I keep referencing this to Hillsborough, but that's where I'm going. I don't know if I will ever have to suffer death and dying in Hillsborough, but I can tell you this, it has crossed my mind. Am I willing to go to that extent? Am I willing to be that faithful because there's there's levels of faithfulness we see in churches all over America there are people who are willing to come and sit in a pew on Sunday morning and there are people willing to here am I 
send me. I'll go. I'll help. I'll do whatever I can. Where do you fall into? What category are you in? Aristarchus went all the way to the end. Maybe you fall into the next category. The next person is Marcus. Again, verse number 10, it says, And Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, touching home, ye received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. Many of you will recognize this guy. This is John Mark. This is the person who wrote the gospel record of Mark. But you know what he's most notoriously known for? Or what I always reference it to? For breaking up the dynamic duo of Paul and Barnabas. I'm sorry. Whatever he did good, praise the Lord for that. But he messed up. He, he didn't go to the labor. He, he divided this ministry team that was just doing things for God wonderfully because he wasn't willing to be faithful. It, it even makes mention that he, he wasn't even willing to go to the work. I, I don't even know exactly how far he made it, but he didn't make it all the way. He didn't go to the point of helping. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and that's you. You've had struggles You've had hard times. You've had difficulties. You haven't been as faithful as you should be or could have been. Neither was Marcus. But I can tell you this. 2 Timothy 4.11 says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Somewhere along the line, Mark got it right. Somewhere along the line, Mark made the choice, I'm going to be faithful. If you're still breathing, you still have the chance to make it right. You still have the chance to say, I will be faithful. I will, through God's strength, be as faithful as I can be. Time has not run out yet. I think it ironic that when you look at the theme of the Gospel of Mark, It's Christ, the faithful servant. It hit home so hard with Mark when when he finally got it, when he finally figured it out. The next couple we're going to go through fairly quickly, but justice, verse number 11, it says, In Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. I think it's very interesting that, that he, he's named off some people, but he draws a line here and he says, these are my fellow workers. I, I, I kind of have some thoughts on this, but the first one that I want to give you is that he has to make a clarification with justice. He says, he is of the circumcision, which means he was a Jew. Now, remember where Paul is sending this letter to. He's sending it to the Colossians, a pagan city, a pagan society. And he has to clarify to them, that this is somebody that's of the circumcision. I wonder if they hadn't maybe had some problems with them before. Maybe they didn't know. But maybe, maybe Paul had had some time where the Jews weren't on his side. Even saved Christians that were Jews were not in his corner. They didn't have his back on things. And so he had to go through and clarify, this guy is of the circumcision, but not just that, he is one of my fellow workers. And I look at the names of some of these guys and how little information that we have on them. And I wonder if Paul didn't have to address some of this because nobody knew who they were. Nobody had any idea who these guys were. And so he's giving them, hey, you can trust this guy. 
hey, hey, this guy has proven to be faithful. They were no-name people. Nobody had any idea. If they showed up their doorstep, you'd be like, welcome to our church, but I have no clue who you are. I, I didn't know that you've gone out and done any of these things with Paul or anything. I look at that for me. I'm going out on deputation. I can show up at churches. Hi, my name is Justin Jorpland. And people will look at me and be like, who are you? But you know, I can go to churches and say, my name's Justin, and I'm sent out of Bible Baptist Church in Crookston. My pastor is Preston Hoyseth. He has built a name for himself that I'm now reaping the benefits of. I am getting the blessings that he has a good name. You know, that's what's happening here. These guys are reaping the benefits of the fact that Paul has a good name. These are my fellow workers. You can trust these guys. You can have these guys. They can be faithful and helpful. And I really think that that's that's what Paul was doing there through that section. But it brings us into a new section, kind of a, a different type of section. Here, as we come to the, some of the end of these names, we've got some names that are mentioned that are only mentioned here in the book of Colossians and in the book of Philemon. From this one singular period of time of Paul's life is where we see Epaphras and Nymphus and Archippus. It's the only place that these names are mentioned. So the next guy we have on our list is Epaphras. Verses 12 through 13, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that ye, may be, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. I think of two things with Epaphras, two things. The first, he, he was given to prayer. The, the, he, he was ready to pray. He was interceding on behalf of the people that he was sent from while he was there with Paul, to the extent that Paul noticed. Paul could see, man, this guy is praying a lot for his people. This guy is praying a lot for what's going on in that region. He's zealous for the things that are going on. Epaphrases are few and far between. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can look at that and say, man, I wish that I could pray like Epaphras is. Yeah. I wish that I could spend that kind of, kind of time in prayer, or should I say, I wish I took that kind of time in prayer. I've known prayer warriors. I am convinced that I know of some prayer warriors that would never tell me, but have prayed for me my entire life. I just look at my own salvation and I'm like, there's somebody that has been praying for me for a very long time. But I tell you what, even though we may know prayer warriors, I don't think many of us have met an Epaphras. I don't think many of us have really gone to that extent of being that committed to prayer, about being that zealous for the area. Let me ask you this. Have you invited your neighbors to church? Have you met your neighbors? Have you ventured across the street to introduce yourself? Have you taken the time, kids in school, if you're in school, have you taken the time to meet those that you're going to school with? If you've got a job, have you taken the time to meet the people that you work with, whether they're in your department or not? Are you zealous for the area that you live in? Because we should be. Time is running out. Uh, This year in in Crookston, our our theme is make ready. And and Pastor Hoyseth used a a picture of a clock. And the hand is like just one minute before midnight, just 
ready to snap. We're running out of time. Yes. Where's your zeal for the lost? Where, where, where's my zeal for the lost? I don't care if it's a town of hundreds of thousands of people or a town of a couple hundred people. We need to be zealous for the lost. We're running out of time. This next section is is the last couple names that we're going to use. Verse 14, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now, Luke is one of my favorite people. He wrote the book of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. I love reading through them. There's so much detail given. I can, I can be a very detail-oriented person. I'm like, I want to know all the, the little details, the little things. I, I want to know those things. And, and Luke's like, don't worry, I got you. And he just wrote down all those things. He goes, here you go. This is going to be a great letter. You can read it. I wish. That'd be great. But he wrote down all these things, and we can look at all those and like, man, what a historian. He was also a physician. He was there with Paul. He was a beloved physician. And I look back at the beginning when we talked about Tychicus, the beloved brother. I wonder what kind of relationship Luke and Paul really had. How close they really were. I don't know if Paul's, we always make conjecture on what Paul's infirmity was, but I wonder if Paul's infirmity didn't require a regular doctor to be in attendance. And I wonder if through that Paul didn't get that close relationship with his friend, Luke. I wonder if God didn't use that to draw them close because Tychicus is gone. And 2 Timothy 4.11 says, only Luke is with me. Luke's friendship was unique. Luke's friendship was not, it's too dangerous, I need you to go. We don't even see that here. Because I think Paul knew Luke's not going anywhere. Luke is faithful until the end. Luke is that beloved physician. He didn't even bother trying to tell him to go away because he knew he wouldn't listen. He knew he wouldn't go, Paul, I am in this thing for the long haul. I am in it until the end. But I think it's interesting, the correlation here. Luke, the beloved physician. And the next guy, all we see is Endemus. I wonder if Paul knew what was going on in Demas's life. I'll read you this other set of verses. 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10 says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. I wonder if in Colossians, Paul didn't know. I wonder if there were signs. Man, he's just not faithful. He's not, his heart's not really in it. He's not really willing to, to pay the price that it could cost. He's not really willing to have the level of faithfulness that it is required to serve the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Paul didn't just have these thoughts stirring around in his mind, Lord, Demas, don't do it. Demas, don't, don't do it. Just set your eyes on the Lord. Keep your affection on him. Just set your eyes on things above. Yeah. But Demas, having loved this present world, has forsaken Paul. It doesn't just say he left. Sorry, Demas left. I don't know where he went. No, no, Demas forsook Paul, having loved this present world. In the end, Demas was found faithless. You know the old adage, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. 
That was not Demas. That was nowhere near what Demas was. No doubt things became difficult. Demas probably had his own thoughts of, I could do better for myself somewhere else. I've got skills. I could go get a job. I could take better care of my family. I could make a little bit more money. I could stop living on the ground or living in tents or whatever, all these things that Paul keeps going through. I could be doing way better for myself. Having loved this present world, he left. You know, I, I, had, to, I had to come face to face with looking at some things like finances when I'm getting ready to go out on deputation. I, you, you have to look at some sort of number. What's my goal? What would I like to do in this? Where would I like to be at? When I had to look at that, I, I really just, I spent a lot of time praying about it. Lord, where, where do you want me to do? I've never been in a position where, it, you know, obviously it's whatever the Lord allows, but it's not like, pick your salary, set it wherever you want to set it at. It like, well, I'd like to make a little bit more money. That'd be great. That's not really what, what it is. It's, Lord, what do I, what do I need? I don't know what I need. I'm not sure what I need. And it really came down to the point that I kind of had to, had to get to the point where I said, God, I'm willing to submit to you and what you would have me to do because I want to live the lifestyle that you are going to provide for me, not the one that I want. I don't want to have to worry about forsaking you, having loved this present world, being drawn away of my own lusts in every area. And I got to the point where this is what I came up with to help myself. Don't pray for a certain caliber of life. Ask God to help you be content with the one he provided. Amen. If I can remain faithful and remain content, I can live a strong Christian life. I can go wherever it is that God wants me to go. I can whatever it is that he has for me to do but it requires faithfulness and contentment Demas didn't Demas didn't have those things don't be a Demas so I want to ask you this question we looked through a lot of names tonight but I just just have one question if we took out some paper right now and started writing a letter the Lord just happened to start giving us things to write down about Eastside Baptist Church, would your name make it into the letter? Would it make it on the grounds of faithfulness? Would it make it on the grounds of faithlessness? Or like faithless Demas, have you forsaken God for your love of the world? What would your spiritual epitaph say today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me, Lord, that I would be faithful. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the people here tonight, that you would help them to be faithful. Lord, help us to reach this world for you. Help us to be there regardless of outcome. Whatever the consequence is, Lord, whatever the difficulties would be, help us to choose to be faithful over all of it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. Where is your faithfulness?
tonight.